we are starting our brand new series in the book of Exodus. Uh, for those of you who are not familiar with your Bibles, um, you can turn on your Bible on your phone, and it's going to be the second book of the Bible. And if you have your actual Bibles present with you, um, it's literally only, I don't know, maybe about 50 pages uh, past that front leaf of, of your Bible. So we're going to be in the book of Exodus this morning, chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And so if you have your Bibles with you, um, go ahead and open them up. Uh, Exodus chapter 1, verses 1 through 7. And you'll see this passage up on the screen as well. Hear the word of the Lord. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan, and Naphtali, Gad, and Asher. All the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. Then Joseph died, and all of his brothers and all that generation. But the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong, so that the land was filled with them. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Can we say thanks be to God? Thanks be to God. Let's pray one more time. Father, we thank you for this word. We thank you that we have this book of the Bible. Father, your word is a living, active word, sharper than a double-edged sword, able to pierce our hearts, able to pierce our consciousness of sin and of righteousness. And so, Spirit of the living God, I pray that through this medium of audio and video right now, you would use this word to change us, to transform us by your grace. Oh, Father, help us to have ears to hear, eyes to see, and hearts uh, that are moldable to the image of your Son. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Well, like I said uh, earlier, today we begin our new series called The Exodus, Made Known to Be Made Known. Now, the book of Exodus is actually the second volume in what you might call a mini-series in the Bible, uh, commonly known as the Pentateuch. Now, for for those of you who are not as smart as everybody else on this call, I know all of y'all probably use that lingo Pentateuch in daily conversations, but for those of you uh, who need a dictionary with you, like me, when you read books, um, let me just teach you what that word Pentateuch means. Penta means five. Can everybody say five? And then Tuk means scroll or book. And so what this means is, is five scrolls or five books. They're the first five scrolls or books of the Bible. And many of you, if kids you're watching, can you name them with me? It's Genesis. Exodus, the book that we're in right now, then Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Now, all these books are written by a guy named Moses, and he's writing it to a people who actually hadn't heard from God for 400 years. And God showed up on the scene in Egypt, freed them from slavery, and now they're on the banks of the Jordan waiting to take the promised land. 
And so who's the author? It's Moses. And who's the audience? It's freed Israel. Now, in this book, the Exodus, there's going to be a lot of themes that we will be, be looking at. We'll see the themes of redemption and deliverance and sacrifice and, and even more. And what excites me is we're going to see a lot of character traits about our God, his power, his omnipotence, his presence. It's, it's everywhere, his mercy and his grace and his faithfulness and his sovereign control over all things. But the main theme that I want you to hear, that's, that we're going to fly this, this banner over top of this book, is this. Made known to be made known. That is, God makes himself known to us to be made known by us. You see, God made himself known to Moses, not just for Moses' sake. He made himself known so that Moses would make him known to God's people. But even more than that, God wanted to be made known to Pharaoh and to the Egyptians. And what I want you to hear is nations. So God makes himself known, not just to his people, but he makes himself known to his people so his people can make him known to the nations. What's amazing about this story is that even when his people fail, God remains faithful to that promise. And that's the crux of today's passage of Exodus 1, verses 1 through 7. When Israel fails, God remains faithful. And we'll observe that with two points. First is the story of Israel. And second is the story of God. And we'll see that when Israel has failed, God still has remained faithful. And so, church, let's dive in. Let's look at those first six verses again. First point, the story of Israel. These are the names of the sons of Israel who came to Egypt with Jacob, each with his household, Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and Judah, Issachar, Zebulun, and Benjamin, Dan and Naphtali, Gad and Asher. All, all the descendants of Jacob were 70 persons. Joseph was already in Egypt. And then Joseph died and all his brothers and all that generation. Now remember, Exodus is the second volume of the Pentateuch. Now to, to dive right here into this, this book of the Exodus would like be, it'd be like diving into the second season of a TV series without watching the first season, or it'd be like reading uh, The Two Towers without first reading The Fellowship of the Ring. And so to understand Israel's story, we must go back where all good stories start, the beginning. In the beginning, there was God. And this one God created the heavens and the earth. He created everything that we can lay our eyes on. And Israel needs to know this because the land that they're going into, Canaan, they worship, the Canaanites worship multiple gods who create multiple aspects of creation. But Israel's God is the one God who created everything. And he didn't just create all of creation. He created them as well. We read this in Genesis 1, 27 to 28. 
So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth, and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You see, God created Adam and Eve to be his representatives, to be mirrors of who he is, his image bearers. Paul even tells us in one of his letters that man is the image and the glory of God. See, God's design is for his glory to fill the earth. And his image bearers, his representatives, are to be a picture of that glory. The way God's glory was meant to fill the earth in the beginning was by his image bearers, men and women, filling the earth. However, the first man and the first woman failed. They wanted to be their own gods, live for their own glory in Genesis 3, and then sin, evil, sorrow, and death entered the world. However, God did not end mankind's story with failure. God remained faithful to see his glory fill the earth. And so he clothed man and woman in their failures. He clothed them in their shame and sends them off. And then later we get introduced to this, to this uh, nomad named Abraham. And God establishes a covenant, which is a, a commitment with him. And he commits to, to Abraham that his offspring will be more numerous than the stars. And he also foretold in Genesis 15, he says this, know for certain that your offspring will be sojourners in a land that is not theirs and will be servants there. And they'll be afflicted for 400 years. But I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve. And afterwards, they shall come out with great possessions. Now, if you've guessed it already, Abraham failed. He failed to trust God. Because when his story wasn't moving as fast as he wanted it to, he went and wrote his own story and decided to sleep with his wife's servant to get that son. But even in the midst of Abraham's failure, God remained faithful. And 25 years later, through his wife, Sarah, God gave him his offspring, Isaac. Abraham failed. God remained faithful to his promises. And Isaac's story, it's one of failure, following the same sins of his father. But God remained faithful and gave him Jacob and Esau. And then Jacob, just like his dad and his granddad, committed the same treachery as them, but with multiple women who weren't his wife. I mean, all together, Jacob was the baby daddy of 12 Men And those 12 brothers would make the Jenner and Kardashian clan look like a bunch of saints today. I mean, 11 of those 12 brothers, they got tired of their dad's favoritism of Joseph. And so they did what any normal group of brothers would do. They tried to kill him, but then figured out that that wouldn't be a good idea. So then they did the next, next best thing. They sold him into slavery and to Egypt. However, God used their failures to remain faithful to Israel. You see, when God had Joseph come to Egypt, he rose him to power. 
so that through his wisdom, he'd be able to provide when the land was experiencing famine. And it was through Joseph, through his brother's failures, that God remained faithful to provide for Jacob, also known as Israel, that we see in verses 1 through 6 of this first chapter of Exodus. And eventually, Jacob, also known as Israel, moves with 70 persons down into Goshen, into Egypt. They all failed. And yet God remained faithful. And after the 12 brothers' father died, they worried that Joseph, the favorite one, would seek revenge. So they wept. They pleaded for forgiveness. They even said, we'll become your slaves, just like we tried to make you. But hear God's faithfulness in Joseph's tear-filled response in Genesis 15. Joseph says, do not fear. For am I in the place of God? As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. You see, the whole book of Genesis leading up to this first chapter of Exodus, the theme is that what man meant for evil, Adam, Abraham, Isaac, Israel, and all of his sons, what they meant for evil, God meant for good. When every single man had failed, God remained faithful. And in, in the entire story of every man, every man and every woman, every tribe of Israel that we read about in this first chapter of Exodus, they all fail. And most of the time, we, we come to the Bible and we read these stories from the Old Testament, and we, we think that these are people that we're supposed to emulate, that they're heroes that we're supposed to be like. But in all actuality, they're more like us than we think. They're people with a past. They're people who have hurt others and have been hurt by others. They're people like me and you who have failed, who are in need of a faithful God. You see, the beautiful thing about these stories, especially in Exodus, is failure is not the final word of their story because their stories are part of a larger story, God's story. And his story is one of faithfulness. So second point, the story of God. Exodus 1, verse 7. Moses writes, but the people of Israel were fruitful and increased greatly. They multiplied and grew exceedingly strong so that the land was filled with them. I wonder if you hear echoes in verse 7. I mean, Moses is reminding Israel that God is faithful to his promises. Moses is, very, is using very concrete language here to remind them that their story is wrapped up into God's story. Do you hear it? Fruitful. Multiply. Fill. It's the same words that God used with Adam. Same words that God used with Abraham. That in spite of their failures, God remained faithful. Look at them. They were fruitful. They multiplied. They filled the land. They were failures. And yet God remained faithful. Their, their plans wavered. 
God's plan is immutable. It does not change, for God is immutable. He is unchanging. You see, they were led to Egypt under divine sovereign command to be saved from a famine. And now generations, 400 years later, after all the sons of the tribes of Israel had died, they're now under a divine promise not to be saved from a famine, but from Pharaoh, as they wait the divine intervention to be freed from slavery. Do you know what this means for those who are in a crisis? That in the midst of a crisis, you can trust God's promised presence. Why? Because God promised to be with them when they went down to Egypt. Look at Genesis 46, verse 4. God says, I will myself go down with you to Egypt, and I will also bring you up again. Listen, if God says he's going to be with you, he will never leave you, precisely because he is faithful. Now, he doesn't promise easy circumstances, but he promises to be with you in those circumstances. You can trust God's promised presence because it's part of his promised plan. I mean, do you remember reading that from Genesis 15? This was all in God's plan to remain faithful, to see a people be fruitful, multiply, and fill the earth. Listen, everything that you are going through right now, God's not surprised by it. In fact, it's part of his story. The job loss. Loved ones getting sick. Loved ones possibly dying. The anxiety, the the fear of sickness in this season, the loneliness you might be experiencing right now, the longing, your, your heart aches for it right now. You must see it through God's lens. He knew we would go through this. He knew this would happen. And he knew he'd be with you every step of the way because he's faithful and not even a crisis can take out his promised plan. I mean, just think of Israel sitting there, not hearing from God for 400 years, watching their firstborn sons drown in the Nile, watching others suffer from forced slavery, the inhumane treatment of their people. They also needed to remember not just that God was with them, not just that this was part of God's plan, but that evil will be punished. Suffering will be no more. Stephen retells this story in all of Acts 7. I encourage you to read that later today. But look what he says. He reminds us of in Acts 7, verse 7. But I will judge the nation that they serve, said God. And after that, they shall come out and worship me in this place. God promises to punish evil, and then he promises his very presence. He will be with his people. He will draw them out to draw them in. But y'all, I can't imagine being in this crisis and not asking the question, well, why does it have to be? This way? 
Why do I have to go through this in order to experience your presence? I mean, even right now, you might be asking and wondering, where are you, God? What are you doing? Is, is it you who brought about this current circumstance? You see, it's not just when we fail does God remain faithful. It's even when we fail to understand why we are going through what we are going through, does God still remain faithful? Um, many of you, I'm sure, uh, remember the movie, The Karate Kid. Can I get a show of hands? I got you on a screen over here. Y'all remember The Karate Kid? Now, two main characters, you got Mr. Miyagi, right? And he was training this guy named Daniel LaRusso, uh, known as Danielson, right? Now, Daniel wanted to learn the art, the art of karate to defend himself, but also to compete in a competition. Now, you would think that, man, this expert, this master in karate, Mr. Miyagi, would take him to a studio to teach him all these things, but, but he doesn't. He invites Daniel's son to come over to his house, and he has him complete these chores, like sanding a wooden floor, refinishing a fence, painting his house up and down, and the ever-so-famous, you can do it with me, Wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. Now, Daniel is there wondering, why is he having me do chores? I want to learn karate. He didn't understand why the master was taking him through these steps. And what Daniel did not understand is that those movements were teaching him defensive blocks through muscle memory. See, Miyagi was a faithful master, even though Daniel did not understand. God is a faithful master to us, even when we don't understand. See, God will take us through seasons of crisis and circumstances that we fail to understand sometimes. And he's doing this so that we can develop a deeper trust, a deeper memory of one truth, he's faithful. When we don't understand what's going on, we can still develop a deeper trust that God is faithful. See, Israel, they never learned why God took them through this 400-year stretch. I mean, God never came down and gave an explanation for their experience. But we do know who was with them during this experience. It was God, and he still remained faithful to them, even though they failed at times and they failed to understand at times. I mean, does this story sound familiar to you at all? Does this story resonate with you? I mean, don't you see? Israel's story is my story. It's your story. It's our story because Israel's God is our God. He is the God who has made himself known to us, even though we have not been faithful to him. He is the God who, when we try to take our stories into our own hands and try to rewrite them, and we fail over and over again, and our lives come tumbling down like the Tower of Babel because we just want to keep building our own identity on our own stories. And that, that's... That's our lives. And many of you, you, you feel this today. You, you feel this sense of failure. 
You know that you're failing, failing at this pandemic, failing in your relationships, failing at lives, failing at trying to create this false identity, even on all these social media platforms, pretending like everything is fine when we just feel like we're failing every moment of every day. I don't know if that's any of you today, but it feels like my life at times. And even worse, we, we go on to believe that because we failed, God will stop being faithful to us. Listen to me. God's faithfulness is not contingent upon whether you succeed or fail. God's faithfulness is contingent upon his character. And his character never changes, which means he will always be faithful to you. Yes, even when you fail. You see, this is the beauty and the mystery of God's story. See, like Israel, God rescues and uses the people who were once marked by failures, were defined as failures, to now be the ones who through their failures, he's going to bring about his faithful promises, not just to them, but to the ends of the earth. He has come to turn your failures into faithfulness, to use our evil for good. He has come to use your failures to carry out his faithfulness, to make himself known to us. How did he do that? Well, enter Jesus Christ. God saw our failures and he saw that we could not pick ourselves up by our own bootstraps. God decided through Jesus Christ that he would make himself known to all of the world. Jesus Christ is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation who has come to make God known to us, and not just to us, but to all nations. And now we, because we know of this truth, we get to go tell the world, yes, we have failed. We have fallen short of this glory of God, but God has come to make himself known by coming to this earth to lead us out of a mass exodus of out of the slavery of our sin, the slavery of trying to perform, to create our own identities, to try to write our own stories where we create false identities and we, where we try to prove ourselves to everyone. We are literally in chains because we're trying to let everybody know we're not as much of a failure as we think we are and you think we are. But listen to me, Jesus Christ has come to set you free free from posing, free from pretending, free from acting like you're not a failure. When we know deep down inside, we have all fallen short. He's given us freedom from that life of failure that has defined us. You see, Jesus is all over the book of Exodus. See, Jesus is the true and better prophet Moses, who doesn't just come to us to preach and tell us the law. He has come to fulfill the law in our place. And on the cross, Jesus Christ is the true and better Passover lamb, where all of our sin of failure is placed on Jesus. Our story of failure is placed on Jesus, and his story of faithfulness is placed onto us. Because on that cross, where his blood was painted across that post, hands were pierced, nails were pierced through his feet. We get to hide underneath that blood, so that the angel of death would pass over us because the angel of death took out Jesus. 
In Exodus, Jesus is the true and better tabernacle, the very presence of God who comes down to tabernacle to be present with us. You see, all of Exodus points us to the fact that Israel's story is our story. And Israel's God is our God, and he's faithful to save us, to bring us out and save us from our failures, our sin, and our shame, and to bring us into a new story. Jesus' story that is marked by grace, that is marked by acceptance, that is marked by love and faithfulness. Not our love and faithfulness because we waver, but our stories are now marked by God's faithfulness, his story, because his love for us, his grace for us, and his faithfulness towards us never changes. And now, because Christ has died for us and he was resurrected from the grave, we now have access to his presence living inside us. He has drawn us out of slavery to our failures and into a life of faithfulness, drawn us into himself to now go and do what he's planned from the beginning that we might be fruitful, that we might be multiplied, and we might fill the earth with his glory. And what is his glory? It's the cross and resurrection of Jesus, that we might go and tell and make more disciples that God in Jesus Christ has made himself known to us. And now we get to go make him known, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth with more disciples who are transformed by this glorious God in the person and work of Jesus Christ. And hear this good news, that even when we fail at doing so, God still remains faithful to you. Oh, what good news. Oh, what good news we need to remember during this time. And no matter what happens, God is going to remain faithful to carry out his promises, his plan, and will always welcome us into his presence by faith alone. And for those of you who are not believers right now, you're visiting us on this platform right now. I want to charge you, to, to, to encourage you to trust in Jesus, to say, I want to follow Jesus right now today. I don't want to be defined by my failures. I want to be defined by Jesus's faithfulness. If that's you, we'd love for you to fill out that connect card and, and check on the box that says, I want to trust in Jesus. Or just fill in this chat box that we have here on this platform that you want to follow Jesus. And we'd love to talk to you afterwards in one of our breakout rooms with one of our elders. And for those of you who are our believers, I invite you to continue trusting, even when we don't understand what's going on, because God is faithful. He's faithful. He will never leave you, never forsake you. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you so much for this word. We thank you so much for Israel's story. Father, we pray that we would be a people no longer defined by our sin, our shame, our past, but you would keep transforming us into a people that is defined by your story, your story of faithfulness, of grace, of love, of deliverance. Oh God, help us to believe this. Father, may this message transform us. May this story of the Exodus make us people who have been drawn out of slavery and drawn into your presence. And now send us out 
send us out, make making you known to all people and help us to remember that you will be with us always as we do this. We praise you for this reality. It's in Christ's name we pray. And all God's people said, amen.